What's going on, y'all? It's your boy J.H. Gibbons here. And I will see. And welcome to yet another episode of the Acromus Podcast, episode 76, bro. 76 straight weeks of gems, guests, entertainment, everything you can imagine. We bring it right to you. If you are listening, that means you're probably on Google Podcasts. You're probably on Apple Podcasts. You're probably on Spotify, which is great. Keep listening. We're glad you joined. If you're watching, that means you're probably looking at, at us on YouTube, which means you probably need to do these three things right now. If you have not done so already, you need to hit that like button. You need to hit that subscribe button and you need to hit that notification bell. So the next time that you hop on YouTube and you're scrolling down your feed, that first video that you see at the top most likely will be the Acronis podcast. It'll be the 76th episode. It'll be brand new, full of gems, full of entertainment. And ladies and gentlemen, most of all, it's free to do so. It's not going to cost you a thing to, to invest into you to, uh, you know, take 75 reasons to really dig in and get some gems that we've given effortlessly each and every week consistently. And uh, we plan to continue to give you some more on episode 76. So make sure to do those three things. Jay, can you tell them one more time what they were again? What was it again? They have to like, Uh they have to subscribe. Yes. And there is that bell that gives you a notification the next okay. time you hop on YouTube, we will be the video that you see. Like, I don't I don't understand how many other ways I could put it. And the fact that you do not have to swipe a card or put a dollar in the machine to get these gems is incredible because there is nothing without cost these days, ladies and gentlemen. What mm-hmm. a week it has been. We'll see. I know last week we covered... My absolutely biggest regret, and I am pleased to say, I mean, even last week I mentioned, and I'm, I'm in a better place than I was a few years ago, and, you know, this week I was able to reflect on that. I had a chance to, to go back and listen to episode 75, and, you know, some of the things I was rattling off, I didn't even remember about my own self, so it's, uh, it's always good to go back, reflect, understand where you are now, understand that you must continue to grow, you must continue to change you must continue to move forward if you want to be where you want to be. We'll see. Yeah, um, it was it was dope to go back and uh, to revisit it as well, and kind of and listen to the gems that you dropped. And I think even as we discussed it uh, during that time period, I was like, "Look, when we wrapped up, I was like, look, man, you're gonna learn things about yourself that you didn't realize that was that was in there um, when you go back and take a look at it." So it sounds like you you, you had you got a chance to be able to do that, and. Uh, and I hope everyone else that had a chance to listen in had, had an opportunity to go back and just kind of reflect on the same thing. Uh, I know I, I did, and uh, I, I've been very um, intentional this week about working on that part of myself, right? So self-development and just and, and just making sure you're giving yourself that extra bit of time so that you could be your best self at all times for you, first and foremost. Because if you are, everybody else wins along the way. Uh, so we're here to remind you of those things. So, so, so Jay, uh, again, brother, I commend you for being able to be courageous to do that um, in a day and age where that's not always the case, right? Being fearless to step out center stage and just be yourself, do your thing. So we appreciate you for those gems, brother, because they helped me invest and grow a little bit more as well. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Look, you said it is very tough to step on stage, show yourself, tell it, show, show the world who you truly are. It is, it is difficult, but the good part about it is our next guest has been doing this and he's been doing this for a very long time. 
In fact, he's been killing the comedy game in D.C., specifically D.C. Improv. Adams Morgan, he's hitting up now. He's not just a comedian, but he's also a cook. Man, we got a lot of questions for this next guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith Corey. Let's go. What's up, guys? How's it going? going? (laughs) Welcome to the Acromus podcast. Now, Keith, I look. I've like I said, I've I've been to certain comedy clubs. I couldn't imagine getting on stage with those bright lights and those folks in the crowd and killing it every single week, man. I, I want to get us started. I, I want to understand exactly how you got started in this game, man. Um, shit, man, that's a long story. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I actually started in high school. Actually, uh, it was like it wasn't like a dare. I always kind of knew I wanted to do stand up when I was around like 12 because I used to listen to like Rodney Dangerfield a lot. And I was like, oh, man, this dude is funny, like funny, like he rapid funny. Everything he says out of his mouth is funny. I'm like, I want to be funny just like that. And it was hard because like I was the quiet kid. And we'll tell you, I was in high school. Like that was my whole life. I was the introverted kid. I barely talked. And uh, since 12, I kind of always wanted to do comedy. And I always thought you had to be an adult to do it. So I turned 16, and that was around when uh, Coming to the Stage came on BET, the the, the stand-up comedy show. Yeah. yeah. And they had Lord JJ win the first season. And my cousin knew I wanted to do comedy at the time. He's like three years younger than me. And he was like, man, you ain't got to be no like grown person to be no comedian. He's 14. You can do it. I'm like, I don't know how to. So I ended up like researching a place that was doing comedy and it was like a coffee shop at like DuPont Circle. And I never forget, I ended up calling the dude. was like, yeah, how do I get on stage? <laughs> and the dude was like, man, just email. And I ended up emailing. And that was kind of like the first show I did. And then after that, I was kind of like addicted to it. So I ended up... Uh, Oh, before I left, uh, when coming to stage, the second season came, they had auditions and nobody in my family would take me. Like they had auditions that came in Baltimore. It was like, and my family was just like, you don't talk. So why would I take you somewhere to be funny? And I just was like, okay. So that's why I ended up researching comedy on my own and kind of getting into it. And it was kind of like a weird superhero career that I had in high school so because I couldn't like tell anybody because nobody would believe I was doing comedy because I was quiet. So I was kind of hiding it from my mom for like the first five years I did comedy. And uh, the only people that kind of knew was like my best, like my close friends, a couple of my close friends. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of, that was like the thing that kind of got me to move out of my mom's house. Like as soon as I graduated, because I was like, I can't keep lying to this woman. She won't think I'm like selling drugs or something because I'm, coming in the house late so i ended up moving the day after i graduated high school to live with my best friend in virginia and his dad kind of ended up knowing so i ended up just living with them and just was doing comedy and uh i've been doing it ever since 17 years and you know to the day so wow why it's actually really surprising to me specifically because you mentioned that you were an introvert and 
being a comedian, being on that stage in front of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that you've never actually been communicating with, I know that must have been tough. So on your first night on stage, how did you feel? Horrible. Uh, <laughs> um, it was more so kind of just learning how to talk. Like, I know how to talk, but like to talk to be funny. And I was more so trying to be funny instead of just being funny. Like, I can be funny around my close friends that know me, but it's a weird transition to try to, like, make jokes because nobody knows you. So you have to transition well to get it out to people so they can digest it, you know? Is it more of a storytelling art, you would say, that you would have to have on stage? Um, Because everybody kind of got their own style. Like, when I started, I was more so self-deprecating humor because mm. I used to junior high school I used to get bullied a lot and then in high school it was it wasn't bullying it was more so like picked on because I wouldn't say anything back and the only time I kind of can beat people to the punch it was just talking about myself so I just talked about myself so I did that for like a few years and I kind of still do a little bit but I'm more so shock and awe like I'm not dirty but like I can be clean and in your head how you see it is dirty so yeah so I have a question uh Keith uh so you mentioned um about and we can go back a little bit about uh no one within your family um being willing to take you to to, to perform you know uh for the audition to try out uh, was did that give you any sense of like motivation, like desire yes. for yourself? Did it? What did that do? I want you to elaborate a little bit more on that, please. Um, I didn't have anything, I guess, to jump off of because, like, usually when somebody's family supports them, like when like cheerleading or something like that, they have a fan base. I didn't have a fan base, so it's very like it's weird now. So when I started doing comedy. Nobody came out to see, like nobody came to see me because nobody believed I did comedy. So now it's more so like my family wants to come out and I don't want them to come out because <laughs> they're more so surprised at what I would say. Yeah. And actually, like they're more so surprised at like me being funny. They're like, "Oh, you actually funny?" And I'm just like, "I don't know what else to tell you." <laughs> I feel you. I get it. Yeah. Um, so, so what did you learn? What did you learn uh, about yourself through this process? Like you said, 17 years to the day, that's a, that's a long time of, uh, to working on your craft and investing into yourself. Uh, what have you learned about yourself through this journey? Uh, that I'm a little crazy, not in a bad way, but how I think and process is, is very crazy. Um, I guess I'm very, I'm very weird, but my introvertedness is not a bad thing. I always kind of used to think it was a bad thing because I couldn't, I could talk to people with just how I approach it. And I always used to kind of just think about how other people would think of me. Mm. But um, now I'm like confident and I'm just like, people don't like me. They'd be all right. I don't give, you know? So, and also uh, it's, 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 I don't know. I guess I have like a mysterious aspect to me because every time I do say something, when I do talk, people think it's wisdom. And it's just like me just 
I'm just saying what's on my mind. I'm just like, are y'all that retarded? Like, <laughs> I don't want to call people retarded. I just be like, okay, all right, whatever. But you learn a lot, man. I learned that like, uh, kind of like growing up fast, like I drank kind of early. Uh, well, I was around drinking early at an early age. Um, and just see like people that are on TV and I'm not like shocked when I see celebrities now, you know, I'm like, Oh shit, that's ludicrous. Like I performed in front of TI and I just was like, he heard me tell a joke and that's just how I feel about it. I'm not like, Oh T.I., I told jokes in front of Jesus, you know? So it's, it's good. It's a good feeling. Cause I, I'm very humble, but I also simple things that you wouldn't think would excite me, you know? Mm. Okay, okay. Well, well uh, I just want to transition a little bit more to what Jay, Jay was mentioning about um, your, your passion for cooking and, you know, your artistry in that realm. Uh, you want to give us a little bit more about that and uh, how you really kind of got into that realm, too? I'm very picky. I'm very, very picky. And my mom kind of got tired of just was like, I'm not making something else. <laughs> if you want to make something, make it. And I just was like, all right. And she kind of used to just leave me in the house a lot by myself with my little brother to hang out with her friends. And I just was like, all right, my home, like I'm cooking, whatever. So let's just do this. And I kind of got the passion for that. Uh, I started baking professionally probably about 10 years ago. And that kind of boosted my comedy career, too, because I'm the dude that sells cookies at shows. And I've been doing this for 17 years, but as soon as I start selling cookies, oh, we want cookies. And I'm just like, but what about my comedy though? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the life of an entrepreneur, right? You you work you work something to the bone, and then there's just that one thing that people are truly looking for, right? Along with the thing that you want to offer. I mean, I kind of made it that way. I'm handing out high diabetes, but like I'm just like. <laughs> yeah look i mean i think i think some people love to have the sugar rest when they go to a show man and i mean i you know kind of looking back on the on the comedy aspect i i can only assume for those who are about to perform or they're about to do something that they know is their calling but there's there's some nerves there's some tension there's a little bit of anxiety there before you go on is there some type of ritual that you go through prior to hitting the stage? Um, as I pretty much tell probably like newer comedians or just people that kind of feel that if you're not nervous, that's a problem. You have to be nervous. You have to be nervous because it's going to make you anytime I went up on stage and I was just too cocky or I just was like, I got this. I bombed. <laughs> I bombed. I'll admit that I bombed. It's like I shouldn't have did that, but um, probably before it depends on the show because some shows are just like I can handle theaters very well. Okay, but the shows that are like small, like like the improv, heart is beating through my chest because it's like like I, as I said before, it's a, it's a it's a it's a place of like history, and you know, like a lot of people that come up to be big in comedy go through there so i'm just like trying to impress and it's just a different feel uh 
And anytime I kind of get like really, really nervous, most of the time I listen to like music. I listen to a lot of like Black Thought. Um, I want to say Lupe. Lupe, but I majority listen to Black Thought. Black Thought or um, there's a rapper from Kansas that's like super nerdy, but nobody knows about him. Uh, XV, he's pretty cool. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I try not to listen to like comedy or anything because I don't want to have somebody else's thoughts in my head, you know. Uh, that's an interesting take. I never even thought about that, to be honest with you. Uh, but it makes total sense why, like, why you wouldn't. Oh, man. I listen to it like if I have like an off day or like in the morning to uplift my spirits. But other than that, I don't listen to it before I go on stage. Because it's just like I'm about to do what this dude is doing, but this dude already made it because I'm listening to him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can I can definitely get that. And I think, you know, even even if you may not listen to them prior to getting on stage, uh, besides, you know, little JJ coming up, is there anybody else out there, any other comedian that you're that you're looking at and you're like, man, I love your game. I love how you, I love your delivery. I love what you're doing. You you or do you try to emulate anybody else, or is this is your particular character that you are on stage just all you? Um, that's a good question. In the beginning, I kind of, I mean, everybody kind of emulated Dave Chappelle because he that's when he was like that's when he had his show. Uh. More so now, it was just like, not really. When I started, it was more like Ronnie Dangerfield because I was, how many jokes can I say per minute? Um, but now I'm just like so comfortable with myself. I'm pretty cool with it, you know? I'm very, and I'm also very soft-spoken on stage, so I don't have the appeal of a dude with a beard. I've heard that a lot. Like, I thought you was going to sound like, you sound like this. But I always come up like, hey, how you doing? And it kind of creeps people out a little bit, but it makes me very approachable. That's a very good point. Do you, I guess part of that, that sort of pre-stage ritual aspect, I mean, do you, when you hit, when you get to the club, do you converse with anybody else that's going to be there watching you or are you typically just backstage getting ready? Uh, I actually do, which is very weird. <laughs> I like to surprise people because I don't look like a, a comedian, which I love. Because uh, I'm not like funny or I'm not trying to be funny. I'm actually a very cool, nice guy. Uh, I help. I open the doors or I try to help like the staff. Uh, and it's just weird because it's like people to say like, you was helping me do something or you was helping them do something. I didn't think I thought you worked here. And I'm like, I did work here. I told jokes. Like, I didn't think you would tell jokes, though. So it was, like, a very surprising thing that I like to do. Not to, like, mess with people, but it's, like, I don't, I like to help people that work at these venues because they get overlooked, if that makes sense. And I also kind of, a lot of my comedy is kind of, like, people watching. So I like to kind of just get a sense of how people, you know, treat each other or interact and all that and kind of just look and see how the crowd's going to be or try to, you know, gauge it for myself. That's very interesting. 
do you from that aspect do you typically get some of your your jokes from that whether it's somebody who interacts with you when they're walking through the door or a handshake or anything like that or hell even when you're on stage do you you know do you typically look around the crowd and say okay blue shirt i gotta get this guy really quick oh no nah, i don't i don't rip on people man i can't i can't rip on people i might uh bring people into the joke just to get them engaged you know make it exciting you know um other than that i don't really rip on people mm. uh I'm, i probably get like a couple hecklers because i'm not i'm not the hecklers I do get that I've had my whole career are probably like women. <laughs> Not all women, but just like a couple women because I had to kind of like ask another comedian. was like, hey, like why isn't this chick laughing or this chick laughing or she's sitting like with her arms crossed? And one dude had to tell me like, look, you telling jokes about being broke. No woman wants to hear an attractive dude. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And I used to just just be so angry. Like, why is she laughing? Like, I got the dudes. They might be laughing at me, but it's like, I got them to laugh, you know? Does, but, does that ever affect you on stage, especially if there's an attractive woman, you know, sitting in front row who's just like, man, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're feeling what you're talking about. Like, does that throw you off your game at all? It used to. It used to. But after a while, I just was like, depending on the show, now, if I'm like the headliner, then I'm just like, I'm just not her cup of tea. But if I'm not the headliner, I'm just like, I'm not going to take too much of your time. There's somebody else behind me that you might like. I don't know why you sitting in the front row and you don't want to be. Some people just don't want to be at the show. They just want to be outside and just want to be seen, mm -hmm. which is retarded. But <laughs> <laughs> mm, interesting. That is interesting. I mean, oh, man, like. I guess like doing this for so long, I, I I wonder, I know you mentioned like having a time where you weren't like necessarily like feeling your best. Like you had those moments of like, you know, you're listening to some music. Um, what, what have you done when you've had a show, like you mentioned that maybe didn't go so well, um, like afterwards, um, like what is your thought process and like, like what steps do you take to, to kind of uh, rebuild your process and keep you uplifted to, to like look ahead? And stay optimistic. Like, what, what do you do? What's your process? Someone in comedy or just in life? Well, I guess it transcends from comedy into life, right? Uh, probably just, I don't know. Probably just play like some video games. Just probably just live and not kind of focus on it. Uh, I listen to a lot of music. I watch a lot of movies. I want to say probably like action movies or stuff that kind of just get me out of my head. I am mm. um, a hard person to, I can feel a lot, but I don't give myself to feel at that moment. Mm. Like it'll hit me, Mike, probably like a week later. Like I went through a breakup probably like almost a month ago and I'm still kind of feeling it. So it's like, I just got to, you know, push myself to like just get up and you know focus on because I don't want to sit in something because life still going on I don't want to still be sitting on the couch crying you know what I mean <laughs> yeah no that's I mean that that's an aspect I think that a lot of people miss you know especially with comedians they you know 
they have lives just like all of us, right? They go through traumatic experiences or, or different experience, difficult experiences, just like, just like anybody else. Um, for you, when you went through that breakup or, or any sort of other difficult situation, is it difficult to get back on stage to, to crack jokes, to try to make others laugh and even make you laugh internally? Or is it, is it something you just kind of put behind you because you're in a different mode? Um, it depends. It honestly depends. Most of the time, I just kind of feel uh, that instance. I, it happened like an hour before I was supposed to go on stage. Oh, wow. And it was just like, all right, we ain't together no more. And then go be funny. And then I was just at the show. <laughs> I'm mad I'm telling y'all this. Man. I was just at the show very, like, you could tell I kind of just was like going through something because my voice was cracking. Oh, wow. And it just didn't feel funny. I just was like, y'all laughing at jokes, but like I'm dying on the inside. And then I get the blank to get off stage and I'm just like, thank you, God. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know, man. Some sometimes I can like spin things around to be funny. Sometimes I can't because it's just like it depends on how hard it hits me. Uh sometimes I just don't want to be funny. Like you have to just let things kind of just let your body just feel. Because if I'm trying to be funny, it's not going to be funny and it's going to hurt worse. So yeah. it's kind of like a pro and a con about it. Uh, and the crazy thing is I hear a bunch of comedians talk about stuff that they go through and I do self-deprecating humor, but it's like some things I just don't touch until I'm ready. Because if I try to touch it too early, then it's then I'm just blabbering off and it's just another, I guess, uh, I used to say this thing when, when I used to live in Atlanta, it was kind of like my crazy moment. Cause I just was on stage just talking about whatever. And it was just funny. And I don't want to go back to that because it just was, it's like letting a jack, like something out of the box, you know, mm-hmm. that I couldn't tame. Interesting. So we even, even in something like that, there is, I wouldn't necessarily call it a script, but there's a route that you like to take when you're on stage. And there, there are certain things that you would consider to be off limits. Now, would that, would that be current events or would that be personal life events? Are there, are there certain categories you're like, okay, I can't, I can't really touch this, but I can still be funny regardless. Um, some things I probably, probably like, I don't know. Some things that uh, it's only like maybe a couple things that's maybe off limits. Like I don't talk about, I don't talk about dead people. I don't talk about like rape or anything. Uh, that's probably in cancer. I'm huge on not talking about cancer because it's a, like a personal thing. Right. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it. For me personally, I don't do politics like that. Cause I don't understand it, so it just would sound stupid coming out coming out of my mouth, you know. And I mean, I think politics is actually a pretty a pretty solid subject to, to not want to dive into. And I, you know, I, I I would say even in the genre of comedy now, a lot of people would say that comedy is under attack. Um, you know, you can't make certain jokes anymore. You can't make any jokes anymore. 
has what's been going on in that sort of political sphere or in society in general done anything to your comedy acts? Not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple times, like maybe a couple people that tell me like, you shouldn't tell that joke. And I'm just like, it's a joke about me. I'm talking about myself. I'm not attacking anybody. So you telling me not to talk about myself? Like, what do you want me to talk about there? So it's like, it's very weird, but I do see, <laughs> I do see some crazy stuff. Mm. I do see some very crazy things. What's the craziest thing you've seen? Um, I've seen people get like attacked on stage, but way before this Chris Rock, Will Smith thing. Uh, I've seen comedians kind of just like get stuff thrown at them, get yelled at. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And like, you know, outside of being on stage, like people waiting for him in a parking lot type of thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it can get, uh, it can get kind of, yeah. Kind of like a hostile environment a little bit. Um, be like gladiator, like you're going on the stage, you go possibly go to war. <laughs> it depends, man. New York is a, I've seen a bunch of stuff in New York, but it's, 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 you know, if you can get through that, then you'll be fine. It's like putting on an armor. Yeah, I I say that about driving in New York, man. If you can drive in New York, you can drive anywhere in this country. <laughs> Not good as a hard pass for me personally. <laughs> but it's a patience thing in New York, though. New, New York, York is more so everything. The time is money. Time is money. That's what if if I can get there faster, I'm gonna get there fast. Yeah. But everybody is moving at the same fast pace not hitting each other which is weird i used to i used to hate new york but like i love it now because it's like they understand themselves yeah i mean look i i personally don't like driving new york but i would probably say there's some of the best drivers i am shocked there aren't pileups every other day they somehow end up missing each other every every single time they're driving which is which is quite i mean it's quite amazing and i mean speaking of new york you mentioned it's it's a tough crowd but what is the toughest crowd that you've had to be in front of? Probably Atlanta. Hmm. Yeah, Atlanta is so they usually in comedy, they kind of base uh, audiences off of two kind of two spectrums. So like there's urban scene, which is mostly like you say, like the black scene. And then there's mainstream, which is mostly you see on kind of like Comedy Central and stuff like that. Um, it's two different types of bombing. Mainstream, if you bomb, they quiet. <laughs> they are quiet. They don't do nothing. But if you bomb in an urban room, they will talk over you. They don't care what you're doing. Either they're going to talk over you or they're going to be quiet and make a noise that you can hear. Like, you're going to hear somebody suck their teeth. You're going to hear somebody, oh, and you be like, <laughs> if I ain't funny, then let me just get out of here. Then. And that's like, man, man, I bombed in Atlanta so hard. But it's more so like they had a bunch of comedy in places where it shouldn't have been comedy. Mm. Like, it was, a, it, was a, it, was, it was a comedy show in a seafood buffet place. And I'm just like, why do y'all have, like, why am I hearing somebody crack open crab legs while I'm telling jokes 
And it just was like so ir- I just was like, I'm not gonna do this. People was talking. It was just like, all right, we bringing up the next comedian. I'm like, you need to close the show down. This is not a place where you want to have the show. <laughs> that is that is interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't even thought about it. I really have, personally haven't thought about that. Oh man. Um, so in in those moments, like when you're when you're in the set when it's not going good, and like you know you feel it, like. Like, what is your thought process as you're getting? I know you're like, I need to hurry to get through this, but like, what keeps you going? Like, from walking off and just like, you know, I'm not kind of, doing it again. I've learned to like bombing because mm. you learn about a lot. You learn a lot about yourself when you bomb when you're a comedian. Most comedians hate it because they want to kill every show, and I'm just like, you don't want to kill every show because what are you learning? Mm-hmm. You're being funny, but like. For me, if I'm bombing or if something doesn't go well, I don't blame the crowd, but I kind of take them on like, not a dark journey, but I like get personal. I get really personal. I'm just like, look, this is why my dad don't love me. And then then I'll go into a whole nother story about that or something else that you probably don't want to hear. And I'm just like, look, y'all did this to yourself. Y'all could should have laughed at the, at the funny jokes, but now I got to tell personal <laughs> jokes about why my dad got a woman to sign his, sign her, like put her phone number on my kindergarten graduation paper. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that is a good point. You know, I think. I think the crowd does matter. I think even regardless what city you're in, I mean, what, what typically in terms of like some of the best shows you've had, what has been the makeup of the crowd? Is it more like blue collar folks just coming, coming to enjoy a night out on a Friday or is it more white collar folks that are, Hey, I'm just stopping in until my next business meeting. Um, Majority of the shows I've been doing are kind of mainstream. So mm especially in DC, it's a mix of like happy hour people, or if it's the weekend, it's the people that like, they can't wait to be out on a weekend. So they are out on a Friday. Uh, And they usually pretty good. Some clubs, they may have like the Friday crowd, you feel like they just got off work. So you you feel it. But Saturdays are usually good Saturdays and like a good holiday. Like if it's a holiday on a Monday, the Sunday crowds are pretty good. But majority of the time, DC has a very good comedy scene, like a very, very good comedy scene. And I'm kind of, I feel kind of old because I've been doing it for so long. I'm just telling like the young, the younger, you know, comedians like, I didn't have, y'all didn't have, I didn't have this in my day. Y'all better, y'all better appreciate it. At least one room, one night. I started, man. That was barely that. (laughs) But it's like shows here, like you can do two or three good shows a night from Wednesday to like Saturday. It's it's crazy that I've like experienced that. I don't do that depending on, you know, where I am because I'm old, but it's like, (laughs) I see people running around like, oh man, I got to go to do this show and do this show. I'm just like, all right, do you think? You got the energy for it, you know? Yeah, wow. And like you said, man, you're, you've been in this game for a while, 17 plus years. I mean, what what would you say right now, based on where you are in your career, what would be your number one goal? Um, I want to get into movies. 
So I'm thinking about what kind of movie I want to do. Mm. Like I have the personality to kind of be the weird guy in movies, but it's so many, especially black actors that have taken that role of being the weird black guy. And and I'm just like, God damn it. I miss my, I miss my shot. (laughs) Uh, But I'm pretty much open in the acting and I'm thinking about kind of like venturing off and getting into like theater to see how I like it. Uh, I've already kind of did my other goals. I have an album out that I did before the pandemic that's pretty successful and it's called Introvert. Probably get a probably get a special. Mm, I want to get I want to get a special. I want to get a special. Uh, That would be pretty dope. I mean, are are you are you open? I'm sure you'd be open to any platform, whether it's Netflix or Showtime, wherever. I think you're just you're just ready to get out there. I'm just yeah. I'm just pretty much ready to get out there. Uh, Just working on being funny. You know, getting funnier. So by time you know a network comes to get me, I'm I'm already set. It, yeah. I mean, yeah, you've honed your craft, man. Uh, you, you've been at it. You've been consistent. Um, what, I, what I've heard a lot of through uh, summing up is perseverance, perseverance of like um, learning, you trial and error uh, to identify like what what's your niche, what's your thing, you know, what, what makes you you. And uh, it seems as if like listening to your story, like you, you've been able to get to a place of like acceptance and like your lane, this is how you move, and, and, and you know, you're damn good at it. Um, being able to kind of put that all together, man, that's, that's really dope to hear. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I got to do it while I got the energy for it. Because once I hit, like, 36. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 38. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think one of the biggest the biggest aspects of this too, we'll see it's it's coming from someone who is introverted to someone who is, you know, had to pull through that to to I like I said, I couldn't imagine I was I was introverted when I was much younger as well. Um, and you know, a lot of the times we kind of get pegged as, you know, being shy or just not not being smart at all, or you know, there's so many different things, so many different walls that we have to be able to climb over to get to our dream. So I'm sure a lot of different comics are listening to this podcast right now. If they're not, they should, but I'm sure many of them are, are either new in the game or they probably want to step out there too, but either they may be introverted. They may be afraid. They may not have that support. What is some advice you can give to them? Just do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. You may or may not like it, but you'll know the first couple times when you start doing comedy if you want to do it or not. And I don't know, because now with so many new comedians, I'm just like, (laughs) I'm not like a hater or anything. I'm just like, God damn it. Because they're not stepping on my toes, but sometimes I kind of just listen and I'm just like, they don't want to do comedy. They just want to talk. Yeah, so, but if you feel like you're funny, I didn't get into it to be funny. I got into it because I I knew I was funny, but I didn't know, if that makes sense. I didn't know how funny I was. I wanted to be like a jokey joke comedian, but now I'm just like a story, like, okay, 
I'm I'm an observer. Yeah, I think I think being able to to observe is probably something that someone who's been in this game for so long is really adept to. And I think you know any of those any of you guys who are listening out there, whether it is comedy or even might be acting or cooking or whatever you believe that your calling is, whatever your purpose is, whatever your passion is, just do it. As Keith said, do it, man. Just get to it. Do it. You gotta. You gotta do it, man. Because. In my 20s, I just was like, I have all the time in the world. And then 30 hit, and I'm just like, ouch, my back hurt. (laughs) It creeps up on you, man. I I would say I agree with you there. I think out of all my age, I I thought it would have been 21. I was still too young. I thought it would have been 25. It's getting there. But you're right. As soon as I hit 30, I was like, wow, this is a different different feel, man. It's a different feel, man. Yeah, it's weird. Like to the the, the <laughs> mid twenties are like good years. You party and you're doing all this. You making mistakes. You living from it. And then if you don't get off that roller or off that ride at twenty nine and coast into thirty, you gonna just be like, and then it's gonna be a hard drop. It is different. Everybody that <laughs> yeah, something yeah, something clicks. Something inside is like this has been on autopilot just snaps in and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Things are different now. I don't know what, but I guess I'm going to figure it out in this transition headed to my forties. So we can only wonder what that's going to look like. If, oh if, if you know, we're all on the same page here, we all thinking the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> man. I t- even dudes, I tell like, look, man, find out who you are at 28. Cause you can't be trying to get women at 30. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, but it's like, it's, it's different. You either going not be mature enough for the women your age, or you could be dating a bunch of twenties, like twenty year olds, and it's just not healthy for you. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that soundbite right there and pin it to our page. We'll see. Yeah, no true words have been said on this podcast. Agree. <laughs> I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with you know nice little twenty two year old, but not when you're thirty. You just you don't have the energy to keep up what they got going on, bro. Yeah. You missed that train. Yeah, your, your demon time going to burn out real quick. <laughs> yeah, man. You either mature yourself so you can handle, like, a nice 35-year-old or something or, or 30, you know what I'm saying? Some woman yeah. in her third. Because they not – can I curse? What? They not with that bullshit. They not with that, oh, I'm trying to see how this is going to work out. They have a plan. Mm. And they bought that plan. And if you are not a part about that plan, you're going to get pushed to the side, bro. You better figure out who you are as a man and and stick to it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's that's spot on. It's true. It's true. There's some truth for you. So if you want to hit some 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 hard-hitting gems that just dropped out of uh, Keith's pocket, you just got it, guys. <laughs> yeah, it Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. When when is your next show, man? I know folks that are watching, they're of course they're watching from their phones, they're listening on their whatever, whatever device they're on right now. But I'm sure someone to see you in person, man. What's your next show? Uh what's today? So Thursday, I'll be at uh Capital Last Room. It's Town Tavern and Adams Morgan, eight o'clock. Uh Friday, I'll be at the place I told you at a hotbed. 10 o'clock in Adams Morgan and Saturday I'm gonna be at the State Theater 
out in Falls Church, and that's at eight o'clock, I think. Seven thirty. You just say seven thirty. Be safe. Busy, busy man, man. That's what happens when you're killing the game and you've been doing it for so long, man. Keith, how can our followers find you online on the social media? Keith Corey, everything, K-E-I-T-H-C-O-R-R-E-Y. Everybody be like, oh, you got two R's? Yes, I have two R's in Corey. <laughs> E-R-E, you know. So that's everything, Instagram, Facebook. Please don't add me on Facebook. Uh <laughs> I mean, you can, but it's like weird. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Uh, I have videos up. It's probably not that many on uh, YouTube, but and also my album is on all streaming platforms. It's called Introvert, Keith Corey Introvert. Keith Corey Introvert. And we'll, we'll make sure to put that wherever we publish this to make sure everybody knows exactly where to find you, Keith. We want to thank you once again for joining us on episode 76 of the Acromas podcast. Ladies and gents, wherever you are listening, if this is your first time listening to myself, Will Sear, Keith, welcome. We thank you for coming. If you've been here before and yet you still do not know how to spell our name, you do not know what we're about, you do not know what we bring to the table, I'm going to spell it out for you one more time. A-C-H-R-O-M-O-U-S, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you are watching, I will take you through those steps again. So you're probably on YouTube. I need you to hit that like button. I need you to hit that subscribe button. I need you to hit that notification bell. The next time you hop on YouTube, the next time you open that app, when you're scrolling down your feed, this episode of the Acromas Podcast will be sitting right there waiting for you to just click play. And most of all, we'll see. Tell them again. Hey, listen, this was a very special episode. So not only are you going to get some gems, but you're going to get some laughs that was brought to you as well. So make sure that if you haven't watched any of the episodes, this is the one you stay tuned in to because Keith, you're the man. And we appreciate having you here today. So make sure to do all three of those things, guys. Uh, thank God for having me, man. That was a lot of fun. I, I probably let out too many secrets, but I'm going to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I don't smoke cigarettes, but I'm just like, I said too much. <laughs> Those, those secrets are needed, man. I'm sure there are, there are many people who are watching this that are on the come up themselves, whether it is in comedy or acting or whatever sort of venture they're going on. So, um, I, you know, we're really appreciative for you coming on. Uh, we're appreciative of doing this. And those who are watching, we want you to enjoy the rest of your week. We want you to, to have a great week and remember to just do it. It ain't come from Nike. It came from this man right here, Keith Corey. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, it is your boy, J.H. Gibbons. And we'll see. Peace. Peace.